Your spring is about to get a lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power from mowing, trimming, and blowing with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime. And blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. All on one interchangeable battery. Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt OnePlus system. Only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are a Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. It is Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, 855-4-G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. We have a lot to talk about today. Look, it's not only the beginning of the Major League Baseball season, which we have to do our Major League Baseball preview, but we also will get into the Final Four, and the Final Four is upon us. So I do want to talk really about the Final Four to start it off today. Look, the Final Four has um, always been sort of a letdown. Look, I'm just saying it. It's on, I, it, It's honestly, for sports bettors and for sports fans alike, when you think of March Madness, what comes to your mind is usually things that happened before the championship game. Things that happened even before the Final Four. Now, the Final Four itself has a different connotation than any other sport. In any other, any other sport, if you make the final you know, championship games, it's good, but they only care about the, the, the winner, right? The overall winner. No, Final Four means something. Getting to the Final Four means something. But in the grand scheme of things, it's almost a letdown. For sports betters, it certainly is, because how can you compete with the opening weekend, even the opening two weekends, of March Madness. It's just absolutely bonkers. It's crazy. You know, the field of 68 and then the field of 64. Best weekend in sports, you can argue. And that's usually what people remember. Usually what people remember are the the teams that really make an impact early on. A 16 against a 1 UMBC. In 10 years from now, we're not going to remember who won the championship, but we're going to remember that Virginia beat UM uh, or went down to UMBC, right? We're going to remember that. Last year, we, we might not remember the great final and the final four run of North Carolina and Kansas, but we're going to remember St. Pete's, right? We're going to remember the St. Pete's run. Butler did that. George Mason had a good run. I mean, even Oral Roberts won two games in a row a couple of years ago. That was the talk of the tournament. But this year, the talk of the tournament certainly could have been the one against the 16 and Purdue going down. Yeah, absolutely, that could have been the talk of the tournament. The talk of the tournament certainly could have been number two Princeton uh, or uh, number 15 Princeton taking down a number two and then winning another game. Yeah, that could have been the talk of the tournament. How about the talk of the tournament being no number one teams advancing into the Elite Eight? Yeah, I've spoke about all this. It could have been. But the four teams that we have left standing are Cinderella's. They're Cinderella's in their own right, but they're not. 
Now, again, I don't know how the TV ratings are going to be, but I find it a very, very, very interesting Final Four. And let's put to bed the notion that these teams, quote-unquote, didn't belong here or got lucky at the right time. The record of the Final Four teams, 35-3, and 31-6, and 29-8, and and 29-7. and Right? I, I, I know that it's the narrative is the, the underdog team, the team that, you know, just is trying to make it. Now, these are 30-win teams or close to 30-win teams. These are powerhouses. And with that said, this Final Four will be the second highest combined seeding in history. Florida Atlantic's a nine. San Diego State's a five. Miami's a, uh, a five. And UConn's a four. The record of the highest is in 2011. VCU was an 11. Butler was an 8. Kentucky was a 4. UConn was a 3. UConn finds themselves in an interesting spot. Also, if it's anybody but UConn, we're going to have a first-time champion. We're either going to have Florida Atlantic or San Diego State playing in the championship game. That's bonkers. That's crazy. But that's what it is. So, you know, this, this national championship is being dubbed as Kind of the underdog, right? The team that's under the radar. Oh, watch watch what they can do. Where they are solid teams. And whoever wins this championship is going to absolutely deserve it. Do not discredit them for it being maybe a weak field or a weak up top. No, these are good teams right now. I will say this. Look, the last 20 national champions have been ranked top 40 on offense, top 25 on defense. UConn's the only one that fits that. Miami is into the hundreds in defense. FAU comes in at 29, 75th for San Diego on offense. So they all just miss. Unless it's UConn, they're all on the outside looking in. So let's look at the first contest, right? You got FAU against San Diego State. Line's about two and a half or so. I think that San Diego State makes the most sense. They have been a top 25 team before. They are a team that was in the top 25 for much of this season. They do come from a Mountain West Conference that had a terrible showing during uh, the the tournament. But I think we all knew, especially guys like me, and I cover the Mountain West every single week over the weekend. I do a show for, uh, you know, going on 12 years now in, in Las Vegas, and we cover the Mountain West. We all knew how much better San Diego State was than everybody else in the Mountain West. So I'm not putting that on them. Uh, But... I don't think people realize how good FAU was this year. And I've been screaming this for a while. FAU is just not your typical Cinderella, nobody knows the kind of team. They're not, okay? They might shock the world, sure, but they're not your typical shock the world, come out of nowhere type of team. This team won 30 games, right? I mean, first and foremost, I don't care what conference cut you come from. They won 30 games. They also had a net. According to to Ken Palm, which a lot of people live and die by Ken Palm, I don't, but I give them the respect they deserve. Uh, They also had a net before the tournament that was a better net from Ken Palm, better than Miami, Virginia, Kentucky, TCU, Indiana, Northwestern, Missouri, and Michigan State. FAU is not your typical team. They had a very easy conference schedule, you can argue, sure. They're out of conference schedule, not all that much more difficult. But you can't turn around and look at this team and think that they are anything but an elite team. That is what they were. And that's what they were the entire year. But here's what's interesting. Florida Atlantic, maybe they might not have even made the NCAA tournament 
had they not won their league. Right? They, they might not. I've argued this forever, that a team like FAU should absolutely get in. And we talked about it when I did my mid-majors uh, mania uh, conversation a couple of weeks ago. I, I don't want, you know, a ninth-place SEC team going for that final spot. I don't want an eighth-place Big Ten team going for that spot. I wanted a Florida Atlantic, and look at what they can do. Now, the knock on Florida Atlantic for much of the year has been, well, they don't have a superstar player. And people use that against them. Well, they don't have a superstar player. That's 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 their detriment. And I'm going, you know, I think that that might be the good thing. I think that might be actually a benefit to them. They don't look to just one player late in the game. They have an allotment of players that they could go to. Remember, FAU was down 65-64 with uh, uh, about 10 seconds to play, less than 10 seconds to play against Memphis. Memphis had the ball. FAU won that game. FAU won that game, guys. And they didn't win it because they gave it to their one player. No, 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 no. They won it because they are a multifaceted team. And that is the key here. They are a multifaceted team. That's why I think they beat San Diego State. I understand why people are on San Diego State here. Okay, I I get it. I'm not going to sit back and tell you that San Diego State isn't a dominating team when they are on their defensive game plan. They certainly are. And San Diego State has the type of defense that could confuse anybody. Don't make any mistake about it. They absolutely are. By the way, San Diego State, yeah, 12 straight unders in San Diego State games. So if you're somebody that likes the over-under, I know that the overs just started come back, coming back. The unders were crushing it the first weekend, um, but the overs just went 6-2 and two in the last eight in the Sweet 16, and now you get San Diego State with 12 straight unders. So if you're looking at something here, you might be saying, yeah, if I like San Diego State, I kind of like the under. And FAU can certainly play that style. I think that FAU is a team that can compete with San Diego State and get the win because of the things that people use as their negative. Because they don't have that star player. Because they don't have that star situation. A lot of people will use a negative about FAU as that they will play to the style of the team that's playing against them. Yeah, I like that. I like that they can conform and they can change and they can do different things. I like that. I don't use it as a negative. I like that from this FAU team. I think they are extremely well coached, and this is no slight to San Diego State, who certainly can win. I mean, to me, it's a look. To me, it's a coin flip game. I'm not going near it. I'm being honest with you. I'm not giving this out to my members. I, I'm not going near this game. This is a sit and watch and enjoy kind of game. But I have seen the line pretty much remain steady, and people just absolutely just load up on San Diego State. Some of the most intelligent people I know in this business are putting large dollars on San Diego State, and I don't know if that's a smart thing. I get the arguments for San Diego State. People are going to say they come from a better conference. People are going to say they had a hard, tough road here. People are going to say defense wins championships. All of that I agree with. I agree with it all. But I also look at San Diego State as a flawed team. I also look at San Diego State as a team uh, that I watched all year long, and I go, when they are playing at their best, they are very hard to beat. But if they let up for a minute, they go through scoring droughts, guys. San Diego State has the the inane, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to say ability, maybe disability, to to go through giant droughts of scoring where all of a sudden they can't hit a basket, they can't get a shot even off, and it looks discombobulated out there. So as much as their defense can save them, sure they can. If FAU gets hot during that small run, I could see FAU winning this thing. I'm not going near it, but I will give you FAU as my pick here, and I think that FAU kind of, quote-unquote, shocks the world 
because I just generally think that they are the better team and I like their design. I like the things that people call negative. I like and I think that they are a positive for a lot of what they do. That brings us to the game that I think everybody's anticipating more just because they're they're bigger name schools, and that is UConn-Miami. Miami is plus five and a half against UConn in this game. The number is a high, high total, and it's bouncing around there. Look, I was not a believer in Miami early on this season. I was not a believer in the ACC this season. I thought it was going to be a down year in the ACC, and that's all we heard was it was a down year in the ACC. Yet, we sat back and we watched... All four ESPN analysts before the brackets came out, or when the brackets came out, before the tournament began, all four analysts picked Duke to go to the Final Four to go on a run. Yet the ACC was down, right? Uh, quite a few nationally publicized analysts said Virginia was going to get to the Elite Eight, but the ACC was down. Well, the ACC was down because you didn't have a powerhouse like North Carolina, the returning champions, even make the tournament for the first time ever. So yeah, the ACC was down. But I think the exaggeration of the ACC being down was exactly that. Greatly exaggerated. Miami had a really good year. They have a really good coach. Jim Laranega is a fantastic coach. And Miami has done so in an unconventional way. I just told you they're over 100 on defense, right? 104th in the country, depending on what defensive metric you're using. But offensively? They're unstoppable at times. Now, I will be the full first one to tell you I thought Drake was going to beat them. And Drake, I'm sitting in the sports book, okay? And Drake, there's four Miami guys in front of me. And Drake is winning that game with about two minutes to go. Right before the Miami went to the press, everybody in that sports book, including those four Miami fans, all thought it was over. Drake had owned them. Drake had pushed them around. Drake was winning that game. And then all of a sudden, Miami started the press. Drake fell apart. Here you go. That is not going to happen to a UConn team. So Miami's going to have to do what they continue to do, which is win with offense. Miami's 9-2 against the spread as an underdog this year. They do very well as the underdog. In this tournament, they were plus 1.5 against Indiana. They scored 85 points as an underdog and won. They were plus 8 against Houston. They scored 89 points against a very, very good Houston defense and won. They, uh, they were plus three and a half against Texas and scored 88 against a very good Texas defense that just a couple of weeks ago made Kansas look completely inept, made Kansas look ridiculous out there. So they've been scoring into the 80s, into the mid-80s, as a matter of fact, into the high 80s, and their offense is just running with people. The thing with UConn is this. While they had a top 20 defense, and we discussed this, their defense was fantastic this year. They have no problem getting into shootouts. They are that multifaceted team that before the tournament at 15-1 to 1 odds, I told you guys I liked UConn to win it all. I picked them in my bracket to win it all. Why? Because I thought they could score with you, and I also thought they could shut you down. When you look at the four units on this team, Miami's offense and UConn's offense are very, very similar. I don't know if I give a full check mark to either one of them. I will lean Miami a little bit, but UConn's offense can keep up with anybody. Okay, and and UConn just exposed the best offense in the country in Gonzaga last game. So I give Miami a slight lean maybe offensively, but I think UConn can hang with them. It, it's 1-1A. One one but defensively, Miami is terrible. A terrible defensive team, and UConn is still a top-20 team. And UConn's defense, while I know that Houston was very good defensively, and I know Texas showed sparks of it, UConn's defense is going to be one of the better defenses that Miami faced all year. I don't know if UConn's as good as Virginia, but one of the better defenses they faced all year. And what we just watched UConn do 
to a better Gonzaga team. Look, as good as Miami's offense is, they were not as good as Gonzaga. What we just watched UConn do against Gonzaga was absolutely textbook. What you have to do against a fast-scoring offense, a fast-scoring offense that was the best in the country. And they didn't beat them. They shut them down. As a matter of fact, you can talk about FAU being the upset team and the Cinderella notion. You can describe Miami as being the team from a great conference that was overlooked. You could talk about San Diego State as, you know, uh, the good team that were great defense, but, you know, uh, they're kind of a Cinderella story themselves. You can't say that about UConn. What you could say about UConn is that if they win the championship this year, guys, they have steamrolled through this tournament. There was nobody standing in their way. UConn has beaten the spread now. UConn's 4-0 against the spread since the tournament started. They are covering by nearly 18 points per game. They have beat the spread by 14.5 points in the first game, 11.5 points in the second game, 19.5 points in the third game, and 25.5 points in the, in the fourth game. They are crushing teams. As a matter of fact, what's even more impressive about UConn is in a few of those games, uh, the score at the half, yeah, it, it was it was in doubt. And UConn just absolutely explodes. Even some of the close games. Two games ago, UConn was against against St. Mary's was two two for eleven, two for eleven from the uh, three point line in the first half. That's why the game was relatively close. And then they just absolutely exploded in the second half, won that game. You look at it, at what UConn can be and how they can kind of flow with things. UConn took on St. Mary's, one of the better defenses in the country. Absolutely had their way with them. Then they took on Gonzaga. Back-to-back right after that. And it wasn't only that. I mentioned this on the show a few times. UConn's end of the season, they they were rolling. They were crushing teams. The only loss that they had was against Marquette in one of the worst officiated games that you've ever seen. UConn should have won that game. So the UConn Huskies are a team right now, to me, that are playing the best basketball in the country, and I'm not talking about just the tournament. I am talking about how they got into the tournament. I am talking about how things progressed walking into the tournament. UConn was the best team for two weeks going into the tournament. UConn was the best team now so far in the tournament. UConn has probably played the best basketball for the month plus of any team in the country, and it shows. So I do have UConn winning this game. I do not love the five and a half points in this spot. Um, When we get into the tournament, we get into the Final Four, when we get into things of this nature, I don't like laying more than a basket. I don't like laying, going out there, and laying more than a basket in any spot. So, I mean, I lean that UConn's going to win. They've been crushing teams. They've been destroying opponents. I lean the over, which is just at a ridiculous number, well over 150 now. I I can't go near that. I lean the over. I lean UConn. But the UConn defense can certainly shut down Miami. That's why I worry about that over-under. And there's no way you could get me to take Miami, even with the points. So I'll lean UConn. I don't love it, but I'll lean UConn. Going further on, I don't care. And this is not, look, this is no slight against FAU. This is no slight against San Diego State. I don't care who comes out of the UConn-Miami game. They're going to win the national championship. This is your real national championship here. Uh, If UConn faces FAU, and these are the projected lines early on. If UConn faces FAU, they're going to be an eight-point favorite or more. If UConn faces San Diego State, they're going to be a seven or an eight-point favorite. If Miami faces San Diego State, I'm looking at six, seven-point favorite. If Miami faces FAU, you're looking at about an eight-point favorite. That's without seeing the games being played. I think that that it goes to say, hey, look, FAU and San Diego State, it's been a nice run. 
I, I can't wait to see the game that they're going to play. I love that they got this far. I'll be rooting for it. Let me tell you something. I'm going to be rooting for them, okay, uh, to win it all. I really, I, I like them. But let's let's work with our heads here. UConn is the best team in the tournament. UConn should beat Miami. UConn should go on to beat San Diego State or FAU. I have UConn against FAU, and I don't think it's going to be much of a contest. I think that UConn hit their stride exactly when you want a team, a championship team, to hit their stride, and they are rolling right along. That is my Final Four preview. That is my championship preview. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. Lots more to do. Major League Baseball preview right around the corner, right after this. Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon Jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass. Whatever your inspiration, start your spring with durable colors that last all season with Bear Premium Plus paint starting at $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gamble before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? Okay, guys, what are the odds? Before I go into what are the odds, I want to go what were the odds. And that's the pre-tournament odds for the remaining teams in March Madness here. Connecticut was 16 to 1, Miami, Florida 42 to 1, San Diego State was 80 to 1, Florida Atlantic 185 to 1. Yeah, that's what they were. What are they now? Well, here are the updated odds. UConn minus 135 to win it all. San Diego State plus 350. Florida Atlantic is plus 500 and the Miami Hurricanes are 5 to 1 as well. That is what are the odds? Okay, guys, it's the Major League Baseball preview show. This is uh, really is kind of my favorite show of the year. Every single year, I give you guys winners. Every single year, we have fun with this. And I, I, I a couple of years ago, I gave you Vladimir Guerrero, a home run champion at really good odds. Last year, I told you that Philadelphia was going to go to the World Series. Didn't predict them to win it, but I said go to the World Series. That was a good one. Every single year, it seems, nuggets of information come out here, and you can make money on it. So let's go through the preview. We're going to start right at the top, American League East. We'll get right into it. I'm not going to waste overly too much time on every single team, uh, but I'll give you the teams. I'll give you a little perspective. I'll give you a couple of nuggets from each team that I find interesting and how I would go about betting, you know, some certain things from each team. Start at the bottom. Look, I think the Red Sox are going to be a bad team again. I know that they have a couple of good things going on. Yoshida and bringing back Devers was great. Uh, Devers, the home run props, I think are a little inflated. While I think he has a great year, why are they going to pitch to him sort of thing? Adam Duvall is there. He's a big bat, but he's a bad batting average. So I just don't think that they're going to have the pitching. I, I really don't think that eventually, and I'm not even talking about their starting pitching. I'm talking about their relievers. Uh, opening day already upon us, basically. And they put out a 9, nine and a half line for them against the Orioles. You can see where it's going for Boston. You're going to get a lot of overs this year and a lot of high lines 
for Boston. Baltimore is the other team. I think they're going to leapfrog in front of them. I want to say, every year I want to say that the Baltimore Orioles are going to be a playoff team. Every year I come really close. Every year I think they're improving. There's another year where I think that they threaten 500. I like Gunnar Henderson. He is the odds-on favorite win rookie of the year. Hard to go against him. I do like Gunnar Henderson. I, I think that uh, Anthony Santander is one of the more underrated home run hitters in the league. You can make a little bit of money on that. I like their their offense overall. But their pitching is terrible. And they got a kid named Grayson Rodriguez, ready to be in the major leagues, best uh, pitching prospect basically in minor leagues. And they're starting guys like Kyle Bradish instead. Go look at their starting rotation. It's absolutely terrible. Back end is okay. Their, their relievers are okay. And they have some help on the way. And the young guys, even the young guys like Westberg and Kobe Mayo, can come up and help. So I like Rushman. I like uh, you know what they have overall. There's some power there. There's some speed there with Mullins. And uh, you, you can get maybe Mullins to get, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 bases stolen this year. He's a smart base stealer now with the bigger bases. So I like Baltimore, but I just can't get past their pitching staff. That leads me to Tampa Bay. Yeah, I have Tampa Bay as one of my wild card teams just because I can't go against them. Shane McClanahan is an ace, absolutely. But I also like the signing of Zach Eflin. I think that that was a really good signing. If you tell Randy or Rosarina that it's a playoff game or the World Baseball Classic, this guy could win the MVP. I think that low, both lows, by the way, Josh Lowe, who had a, he's a post type sleeper, but both lows, Josh and Brandon Lowe, I expect to have better years than they did last year. Um, I do expect Wander Franco to start to kind of come into his own, but there are positions on the field that I'm just looking at. Look, they might bring up a guy like Kyle Manzardo, but I don't love their first base position. I don't love their third base situation. I, I don't I, I don't discount their bullpen is absolutely tremendous, but I do question can they stay healthy, which they've had a problem. So I have this team making the playoffs, but I can't have them competing for a division because they have some holes in their lineup, and obviously, um, you know, the health is a major question with this team, and the health in their pitching staff has been a question. Fairbanks would be fantastic, but the guy can't stay healthy. I do like Jason Adam, though. Uh, then you go into the Toronto Blue Jays. Well, this is everyone's favorite team. Well, I have them finishing in second place. I have them finishing in second place, not for any specific reason other than I don't know how they're going to gel. Vladimir Guerrero's already missed him in the spring. He is their guy. I think Bo Bichette, actually, at 60-1 to 1 odds, has some interesting intrigue as an MVP candidate. What I saw late in the year last year shows me that Bo Bichette can be a real serious guy to go maybe 30-30 this year, and you could potentially add you know a 280 average to that with good defense. I like what they added all around. Whit Merrifield with a full year with the team. Uh, you have to like a George Springer. They are stacked offensively and pitching-wise. It's hard to argue, but it falls off the cliff really quickly. Gaussman, sure, Manoa, absolutely, but it falls off the cliff, right? Um, I, I am not a big fan of Jose Berrios. I don't like Kikichi. I don't like what they have as the 4-5, and, and they have a couple of young guys that they can bring up, but when is this team going to bring them up? I do like what they did there with the bullpen. I'm a big Jordan Romano fan. I think that this is a team that could win 92, 93, 94 games, yet not win the division, because I do have my New York Yankees winning the division. I say my New York Yankees because I don't want anybody to think that I'm being disingenuous. Look, I'm a Yankee fan. I like them to win their division. I like that they got Carlos Rodon. I think that uh, Garrett Cole puts together great years every year despite getting you know knocked down. But I, what I like about 
the Yankees is that they showed us with bringing Anthony Volpe up. They're ready to put the best team on the field. If they have to bench guys like Donaldson and Hicks throughout the season and kind of for effort, they will. And I also believe that because Brian Cashman's getting so much heat and because Brian Cashman has been in the news and because Brian Cashman has an allotment of riches in the minor league level, I think they make a big move. I think that you're looking at this in June and July and the Yankees make a huge move to finally turn the attention to them. It's been all about the Mets. It's been all about the Dodgers. It's been all about, you know, the Houston Astros. I think the Yankees want the back pages again, and they can get it. By the way, Aaron Judge plus 550 out of the most home runs in the league. 12% of the bets are on him. 18% of the money, both leading the way. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Look, I I don't love it. I I just don't love it. I, I think he will do it, but Aaron Judge has had a problem staying healthy, right? So... The guy could hit 50 home runs kind of in his sleep, but can he stay out there all year long? Not at these odds, not at plus 550. I don't love that. Let's go to the Central, and I'm not going to waste all that much time on the Central. Look, the Royals are a bad team. I do like Vinny Pascantino. I do like Bobby Witt. On a betting stage, you could look at them, and people are going to think that this game is going to be all over, 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 but I do like their bullpen, which can keep a lot of these games unders. And their ballpark is an underplaying ballpark. So things to keep in mind out there. I do expect them as well to make a trade and probably get rid of Aroldis Chapman uh, right around the trade deadline, if not before. And maybe they might uh, be going to a guy like Dylan Coleman late in the year as their guy. You know, their, their number one guy. That's something to pay attention to. The Detroit Tigers, two years ago, I told you that they were on the upswing. They just look like they absolutely hit a wall. Now, look, I think Riley Green is a fantastic player. I think he's going to be kind of the face of the franchise, but I don't like their pitching staff at all. I do not like their bullpen. Alex Lang is a nice piece, but setting him up as Cesaro, and I don't even know if Lang, a lefty, can be their, their shutdown closer, which they've had. I mean, Gregory Soda had problems, but he was absolutely their shutdown closer. So I don't buy in on Detroit at all. That leaves us with the three teams, and I'll tell you what. I am down on Cleveland again. And Cleveland fans, be happy I'm down on them because every single year, I doubt the Cleveland Indians. Every single year, I tell you, I don't see Cleveland doing anything. And every single year, they seem to prove me wrong. They do have a potential Cy Young in Shane Bieber and maybe McKenzie, but certainly in Shane Bieber. They have the best closer in the league in Class A. They have a great setup guy, well, great setup guys, and Karen Check and Steven. I like everything that Cleveland does in that respect. Hey, they have an MVP candidate in Jose Ramirez, right? Now let's start talking. Even Andres Jimenez is okay. But now let's start start talking. Is there anybody in that lineup outside of Jose Ramirez? And Jimenez is a good player inside of the line. It's a long-term deal. Anybody in that lineup that scares you? Anybody that scares you with some power? Anybody in that lineup that you think is going to hit 30 home runs? I know that's not the end-all, be-all. But in today's game, you need that scare. You need that big threat. You need that big bat in the middle. And they just don't have it. And that makes me worry for them. Then you look at this and you go... I like their one too, but Shane Bieber's lost two miles per hour on his fastball last year and two miles per hour on his fastball this year in spring. Tristan McKenzie is still very young. He's got the body of a guy that looks like he's going to get injured. Cal Quantrill pitched above his head last year. He's going to give you innings, but what kind of innings? And then the 4-5? I don't know. I'm scratching my head. Are they going to bring up a guy like Bieber or uh, Grant, uh, Grant Williams? Maybe. And maybe that's your solution to the 4-5. But right now, they have the construct of a team that's going to be competitive, but just not get over the hump. Speaking of competitive but not getting over the hump, let's go to the Chicago White Sox. Seemingly every year, everybody's high on the White Sox. Seemingly everybody looks at this White Sox team and says they have more talent than anybody else. Well, Luis Robert is sort of the 
I guess, poster child of this team. All sorts of talent, MVP type of skills. People will bet him to win the MVP this year. All things going in Luis Robert's or Robert's uh, direction. Everyone loves him, yet he's never really amounted to much. Yoan Malcada, I could parrot that and tell you the same exact thing. This is a team that I love their bullpen. And then Hendricks went down. Bummer was out with an arm injury. Now you're counting on Graveman to be that guy when Graveman should be the setup guy. You look at their offense, and you like their offense. But you look at their offense, and you go, you just took away Jose Obreu. Not only the clubhouse leader of that team, but also the RBI leader seemingly for the last decade on that team. You take and get rid of him. Now, if he would have landed on some random team, maybe I wouldn't have been upset about it. But he went to the Astros. The Astros are a smart organization. They don't often make mistakes. They looked at him and said he's got something left. I think the White Sox are just going to come up a little bit short. I do think Giolito is better than we watched last year. I do think Lance Lynn is better than we watched last year. I don't think Dylan Cease is as good as we watched last year. So there's a little bit of regression, even though I think that those two guys are going to be a little bit better. If they had Hendricks for a full year, I might take them to win the division because I think it's going to be close, but I am taking the Minnesota Twins. I like what they did in the offseason. Jorge Lopez was a nice addition. They grabbed nice additions. I think Joey Gallo can be a nice addition. Now, I know that they are banged up, and they are missing guys like Rosario to start the year, and they're missing guys like Kirilov to start the year, and they, Max Kepler's a little bit banged up. I know that they are banged up to start the year. And I just look at this and I go, I think they can get past it. They have the best bullpen in baseball. Uh, I'm back in bullpen in this division. And maybe in baseball, when you are on, when you have Lopez and Duran back-to-back and Thebar is the, your lefty setup guy. I know I just spoke lovingly about Cleveland. Maybe they are 1-2. I mean, that's how close it could be. So if the bullpens are sort of the same, right, and they have clearly the edge on the bullpen, I think the hitting is somewhat the same. You kind of go to starting pitching, and I like what they do. Look, I, I, I think that Ryan is maybe a really good two or three, but that's okay. I think Lopez is really a good two or three, but that's okay. I think that you go out there and you got Tyler Molly, a really good two or three, but that's okay. And Sonny Gray's a two or three, but that's okay. You don't need an ace if you have a lot of twos and threes, and that's what they have. So I like their depth. I like. I think that Minnesota wins this division, but if you told me it was Cleveland and if you told me it was the White Sox, I'm not going to give you much pushback there. Let's go on to the AL West. Bottom of the barrel, the Oakland A's, the perennial losers. Yeah, they are the perennial losers. The A's are a disaster. A's will probably lose 100 games this year. I I, I thought J.P. Sears was a nice little player to jump on top of. Maybe a Waldachuk. By the way, Waldachuk has almost 11 ERA here. They have a lot of young guys. Christian Pache didn't even make this team. Uh, you know, uh, Guys like Dermis Garcia that was up last year didn't even make the team out of camp. I don't really know what they're doing. I don't like their direction. Uh, their bullpen is okay, but to me, this is a 100-loss team all day long. You then move up the ranks and you go, okay, well, who's going to be the next team? Because Texas, Houston, the Angels, and Seattle all think that they're going to be in this. And I like everything Texas did. As a matter of fact, I think Corey Seager could have a phenomenal, phenomenal year. My problem with Texas is injuries. I don't want to put Texas as the fourth-place team here because I think they have what it takes to maybe contend for this division. But I look around the team and I go, okay, you have a lot of holes. Outside of your few three or four superstar bats, and they do have superstar bats, it gets real weak, real fast, real thin. I don't like their bullpen at all. I don't like not having a closer out there. I don't really like having not no real setup guy. And their starting pitching is all about health. If you told me Jacob DeGrom's making 30 starts, I'm I'm buying in. But I don't think he is, and I don't think that their pitching can get by. They barely beat out the Angels, in my opinion. Look, I've given you the Angels for three or four years running now to make the playoffs every single year. 
This year, I had to make my decision. Who's the final wild card team? Is it the Angels or the Rays? And the Rays' track record just pushed me over the edge. I am finally off of the Angels. I know it's tough with Otani and Trout being on the same team to not have this team in the playoffs. I actually don't hate their their starting rotation. I think Reed Detmers takes a huge step up. I like their bullpen or the, the construct of it. I don't think it's a dominant bullpen, but it's solid. I like grabbing Gio Yoshella. I like uh, everything that I've started to see with this team. I think Rendon has a little bit of a bounce back. I like getting Hunter Renfro on the team. Here's my issue. If it is crunch time, and it's crunch time in late August, early September, you are going to have to manage the innings of Shohei Otani because he pitched for the Royal Baseball Classic. And if you're managing the innings of Shohei Otani in the most crucial time, that will deflate the team more than just being a pitcher, right? He's a two-way guy. If you're taking away his innings, maybe you're also taking away at bat. Maybe that doesn't sit well. I don't, I'm not sure, but there's a lot of uncertainty there, and that's why the uncertainty threw me off of this Angels team. I go on to the Houston Astros. I don't have them winning the division. I think that you cannot look at this team and tell me year after year after year that Justin Verlander is basically a god that walks on water, and then he leaves, and you tell me, oh, they're not going to have any problem replacing him. I know that your are is really good, and I know that you grabbed uh, Jose Abreu, but Jose Altuve is out for a, a little while after getting hurt in the World Baseball Classic. You absolutely lost Justin Verlander off of this team. You've got to take a step back. I do not think Houston is an organization that has MVP candidate in, in uh, Tucker and an MVP candidate in Alvarez. I don't think the Houston Astros are an organization that is going to take a large step back. I don't think they're not going to make the playoffs. I don't think they're a third or a fourth place team. But I think that their losses and what they have lost on their team is just enough to make me have the Seattle Mariners leapfrog them. Seattle is the team that I'm taking to leapfrog them. I like their pitching staff. I like Luis Castillo there for a full year. I like him as an ace. I think he is a true ace. As a matter of fact, my partner Tim actually picked him to win the Cy Young, and a lot of people are. I think Robbie Ray is a true number two. I like everything that you have in George Kirby and the young kids there. And, and Gilbert, they have the makings of a spectacular staff. Then you go to the bullpen. Phenomenal. Munez, one of the most underrated guys in the league. I think he can be the best closer in, in baseball right there with Class A if he can take over that role. I know they like to keep him in the swingman. If not, hey, Seawald's really good. But they also have other players there in the bullpen. Really good pitching, really good starters, and deep starters. Really good bullpen. Now let's get to the hitting. Well, this is the big problem. They don't have that guy outside of J-Rod. By the way, J-Rod is my pick to win the MVP. You get him at about 12 to 1 odds. He's my pick to win the MVP because he's going to have to carry this offense, which is a little concern. But I do think Cal Raleigh has an opportunity to hit 30 home runs at that catcher spot. I think J.P. Crawford is a solid player that could get a little bit better. They need one more kind of big bash or big bat, somebody to step up, somebody to be that guy. But they have the minor league system to go get it if they wanted to go get it. I don't know if they're going to need to, though. They're going to win with pitching, and they're going to lean on the backs of Julio Rodriguez and maybe a Cal Raleigh to really pick up this offense and and run with it. I like Seattle because I love to watch that pitching staff and that bullpen. So that's in the American League. Coming out of all of this mess, I wanted to say the Yankees would take on Toronto to go to the World Series, but I'm going to say the Yankees take on Seattle just the way the seeding works out, even though I think Toronto's the second-best team in the, in the American League. I have the Yankees to take on Seattle, and I have the Yankees winning. I have the Yankees going to the World Series, not necessarily because of the team that is in front of them now, although I do like it. No, because I expect 
Brian Cashman to go and dip into the younger guys. I expect them to play a pivotal role. Cabrera and Volpe are already up. I expect Clark Schmidt to play a role. And then I expect Peraza to come up and play a role. And if those guys do not play the pivotal role that I believe, that means it's time for Cashman to make a move, and I think he will make that move. I think that people are underappreciating how good and how devastating Garrett Cole and Rodon are 1-2. And if you get a healthy Severino, even if he's uh, only giving you 20 starts a year, that 1-2-3 combination is awesome. Nestor Cortez was an all-star last year. Now you go 1-2-3-4. They also go deep because they have Schmidt, they have German. Yet I still think that they make a move. I have the Yankees going. Like I said, I have J-Rod winning the MVP. Rookie of the year. I, look, I, I gave it out 25 to 1 odds. I took a shot on Anthony Volpe. He's down to plus 650. There's no value on him anymore. Gunnar Henderson is probably going to win the award, guys. As far as Cy Young, I think it's Garrett Cole's time. He should have won it two years ago. Last year, he had a little step back, and it was still a phenomenal, ridiculous year. I think he's finally still going to get there. I think he gets to 20 year, wins this year, and I think he's one of the few guys to get to 20 wins this year. Maybe leads the league in strikeouts, and it's going to be one of those undeniable, you're almost going to have to give him the MVP. Well, that's the American League, guys. We are going to talk about the National League. But first, let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, to the, the future. future. Okay, guys, let's go bet to the future. Well, I have the most tickets, the most money coming in on the awards. AL MVP, everyone's loading up on Vladimir Guerrero at 12 to 1 odds. NL MVP, Ronald Acuna Jr. is plus 900. AL Cy Young, Kevin Gossman, 16 to 1, is getting the most action. NL Cy Young, Zach Gallon, 14 to 1, getting the most action there. AL Rookie of the Year, Yoshida, 6 to 1. NL Rookie of the Year, it's Corbin Carroll at 4 to 1. That is Bet to the Future. All right, guys, let's talk a little National League here. We're going to start in the NL East. Bottom of the barrel is the Washington Nationals. I don't think anybody's going to really argue hard against that. A couple of players I do like. I think Caliniardo is in a good spot. Uh, You know, you could get some decent numbers from him. I haven't seen much on a betting side. I I think that they have some interesting pieces in Finnegan and Mackenzie Gore if he comes up, if Robert Hassel or Wood eventually get there. But a lot of it is hopes and dreams. I think Washington is in for a bad situation. I mean, you just have to look at opening day where they are, uh, you know, plus 200 or plus 210 or so against Atlanta with Patrick Corbin starting game one. 6-1-3 ERA for Patrick Corbin last year. He's starting game one opening day. Ouch. I mean, all kinds of ouch. Miami could be interesting uh, because they are always that team that has a lot of talent. Jazz Chisholm's moving to the outfield, but he's still a dynamic player. You still have Sandy Alcantara as your ace. The bullpen is weirdly effective looking at it on paper, and then you go to the team itself. Look, I think that they're going to have a little bit of trouble hitting like they seemingly always do. Uh, It's going to be led by their pitching, but if they could get explosive players, and they have a lot of these guys that can make just craziness on the base pass with the new rules, with a Chisholm and a Segura and a a Joey Wendell type, they can absolutely turn some heads. Uh, I like the addition of Luis Arras. I, I think that they can be a sneaky team, but not in this division anything more than where they are. You go on and you move on, and I think Philly is a third place team. Yeah, look, I told you last year, Philly was that team that I was keeping my eye on. Philly was that team that I thought would get hot and go to the World Series. Why? I liked Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler as a dominant one-two. I do like the addition of Taiwan Walker. Their bullpen's a mess, though. I, it just is. You lose Bard, I, I mean, I, I mean uh, Brad Hand, and you look at this and people go, oh, yeah, that's not a big loss. It is a big loss. 
Kimbrell, I'm not sure what I'm getting from him. It's an undecided bullpen. Acevedo is there, and uh, Dominguez should probably be the closer, but he's not the closer. I mean, you lose guys and you replace them with lesser talent. I, I don't like that. Now, you also look at Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's going to probably come back in June. He's going to be a spark plug to this team, but you lose Reese Hoskins. That's a problem. I don't know how much Alex Bohm is going to grow up. Same thing with Bryson Stott. So while Trey Turner's a tremendous addition to this team, I and they could be dangerous when they get to the playoffs, I think that where you're looking at it, Philly's going to have a hard time on the regular season, the consistency level. That leads me to my number two team. My number two team is the New York Mets when you're speaking about consistency. If you are going with the New York Mets, understand what you're doing. You are rolling the dice with a team with two 40-plus-year-old starters and hoping for the best. You are also rolling the dice with a team that's bullpen looks way worse than it did last year. Not only the Edwin Diaz injury, but they lost some key, key bullpen guys, a swingman like Trevor Williams, too, including in all of them. I like David Robertson. I like Adovino, but they are not what they once had. So their bullpen is a problem. Their hitting has always been behind the eight ball, and they didn't do anything to address the hitting this year. They tried with Carlos Correa, but they didn't do anything with hitting. I don't love the idea that this team just really has one bopper and then a bunch of secondary players, not enough to win a division against the surging, incredible lineup of the Atlanta Braves that I could argue might be the best lineup in baseball. Look, we could talk about Max Fried all we want. We could talk about their bullpen, which I think is fine. I mean, the Iglesias injury hurts you, but I love the Minter uh, situation. And Atlanta just churns out bullpen, guys. I don't think Spencer Strider is going to be as good as he was last year. I don't think Kyle Wright's going to be as good as he was last year. But the pitching can take a little step back because this hitting is absolutely incredible. Position by position by position by position, they got better at catcher. They have an MVP candidate uh, and with Olsen at first base. Maybe, maybe an MVP candidate at second base. You look at third base, oh yeah, Austin Riley, he's an MVP candidate. Maybe even my choice to win it all. Ronald Acuna has a full year. He's an MVP candidate. I mean, I'm saying MVP all over the field. I think they could potentially have the best offense in baseball. I don't like that they lost Dansby Swanson, but I think they have enough to make up for it. So I have the Atlanta Braves winning the NL East on the backs of weirdly we've always talked about the Braves and pitching for decades I have the Atlanta Braves winning this division on the backs of their tremendous hitting in this division now I also by the way would love to take Austin Riley to win my MVP but I think that Olsen and Acuna are going to take away some votes from him and at 15 to 1 or 16 to 1 it's just not enough for me to go completely in Now let's move on to the NL Central. Much like the AL Central, the NL Central is kind of a quick study here. You have three teams um, that might be going for it. Two teams that clearly have given up. And let's be honest, really one team that actually has a shot at, at, at anything special this year. Let's go over it. Look, bottom of the barrel. You assume I'm going to say the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pittsburgh Pirates are basically a 100-loss team almost every year. I actually think that they go over their win total this year, which you can get at like 64 in some spots. I, I don't think that the Pirates are contending this year at all. I don't think that the Pirates are even looking at 500 this year. But I think that there can be some excitement in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I might be the only person, but I like their closer. I actually don't mind their entire bullpen, to be honest with you. I think they have a bunch of fours on their team, but they do have some young guys, Luis Ortiz being one of them that can come up and help them. I like Brian Reynolds, uh, who who doesn't, by the way, unless they trade him. I like uh, the fact that they have a young catcher coming up, or or a few of them. I, I do like a few pieces. I like McCutcheon's return. I think that that could energize him. I think Alvarez at third base is a budding, real, all-star potential player. 
So I look at Pittsburgh and I go, yeah, you're going to be the worst team or second to worst team in the league, but I, I don't think that you're going to be the 100 lost team again. Cincinnati, you might be. Now, Cincinnati has Lodalo and Green, so that gives them a little bit of hope, but I don't like anything in their bullpen. No, and I don't even like Diaz. I don't like anything in their bullpen. Their hitting is all over sporadic and uh, weird, and, uh, you know, it just doesn't gel. You got a lot of guys that might want to run. A lot of guys that are not going to take bases to allow them to run. The, the Reds, to me, are the worst team in this division, and the Pirates are just above them. Then we get into the top three teams, and I think that the Chicago Cubs can go 500 this year. And I think with a tinkering move here or there, maybe they push for a wild card. I do believe that people are underrating the Cubs. I like the moves that they made. I think Cody Bellinger was a really smart move. I think Dansby Swanson certainly adds to this team. There are players on this team I like. I love the fact of adding Fulmer and Boxberger to really secure the back end of that bullpen. Yeah, that makes sense. And a guy like Wisniewski could come up and steal that spot in their fifth spot and really be kind of that stabilizing force and somebody to look forward to. I think Cubs are better than people will give them credit for. And I think Milwaukee, a team that I've been on for three years, is a little bit worse than people are giving them a lot of credit for. Look, the Corbin Burns situation is broken. He's angry. It's an, He's annoyed. It doesn't look good. Devin Williams is supposed to be setting up for Josh Hader to be just the tremendous one-two punch. Instead, it's now by Michael Bush setting up for a first-time closer for the full year in Devin Williams. I don't like that. So I think the bullpen took a step back. Freddie Peralta coming off an injury. Ashby's banged up. I don't love their starting rotation after the obvious one-two punch. And their hitting is still going to be a problem. Willie Adamas, fantastic. Rowdy Telez, I expect. By the way, Rowdy Telez and Willie Adamas to hit uh, over their home run turtle total was, is either, twenty, depending on where you're looking, 26-27 or 25-26.5. I like them to both crush it. I think both of them hit close to 30 home runs. I like it. But people are still expecting Christian Yelich to come back and be that guy, and he's not that guy. I think they have some young pieces, some young players, not all as bleak in Milwaukee, but it might be when they trade Burns or Woodruff or both in midseason, which I do expect. So I have a hesitancy to put them really in any kind of competition. That means it's the St. Louis Cardinals all the way. I don't love their pitching. Flaherty is a reclamation project, hoping that he stays healthy. You look at, at Adam Wainwright, he's already banged up. You're hoping that he could get one more year healthy in there. But they're very, very deep. It's a smart organization. They have a tremendous, tremendous amount of relief pitching. And their hitting is just off the charts. With Goldschmidt and Arenado, you already have the base. But you add a kid like Walker, and you have Newt Bar, and you have, have uh, Carlson. And, I mean, the list goes on and on with this team. Uh, the, the Donovan and the Edmund. The St. Louis Cardinals are another team sort of like the Atlanta Braves that it seems like we've been talking about this team for 20 years being led on a great pitching staff. And I look at their hitting and I say, I think it's their hitting that is going to take them to the next level and at least win this division. Finally, we get to the NL West. And in the NL West, uh, it seems like it seems like it's two teams and everyone else, but let's go over it, right? Bottom of the barrel is going to be the Colorado Rockies. This team, they they may lose 100 games. I actually think Jermaine Marquez is a good pitcher, uh, but Colorado kind of gets into his head. I don't expect Daniel Bard to have the same kind of year that he did last year, so that bullpen worries me. The back end of that rotation worries me. Their hitting worries me. And, uh, you know, you look at this hitting, and you always expect it to be okay, but you're getting made and contributing from and over the hill, Charlie Blackman, C.J. Cron, you're hoping is okay. Ryan McMahon might be all right. Outside of that, there it it it's really gotten into be a bad spot in Colorado, especially when you look at their minor league system and they have a couple of guys. I mean, Zach Bean's okay. I don't like a lot to bet on here. I don't like a lot overall. I do think though that Colorado will be better in March and April. I saw their March and April wins total come out. 
Uh, Circus Sports put that out. March and April wins total is like basically where Pittsburgh's is. Look, the Coors effect doesn't really take place until the summer, so they might be not so horrible early on. You could make some money on them early, but once that June, July, August comes around, expect it to really turn bad for the Colorado Rockies. Above them, San Francisco, I'm not buying in. Look, I like Logan Webb. Outside of that, I'm not completely buying in. Ross Stripling can't stay healthy for a full year. They sent out Kyle Harrison, who I think can come up and be something important, but not right now. Joey Bart is behind the eight ball. He doesn't look great. They're talking about Yastrzemski maybe being a platoon situation. I don't like what San Francisco's throwing out on the field offensively. Defensively, you know, they're a decent team. Uh, Starting pitching-wise, it's okay, I guess. The bullpen... I like the Rodgers brothers, and I like Doval, but can you win with just a bullpen? Look, not in this division, you can't. If they were in the Central, I'd say maybe they could push for 500, but not in this division. Because I do think Arizona is a potential wildcard team. I like what the Arizona Diamondbacks are. They are young, they're exciting, they're going to steal a lot of bases. I do think Corbin Carroll, I just mentioned him as Rookie of the Year, I think he wins Rookie of the Year. He is a fast, exciting type of player, and that's what they have all over the field. From Rojas to him, they are going to run, they are going to to create not just absolute chaos on the base pass. I like that. And then you look at Zach Allen. He's a sure ace. Yeah, absolutely. I know they don't have the depth of the starting rotation, but I like the young kids to give them a little bit of extra innings there. And you go to the bullpen. Underrated. I like Chafin. I like Mantiply. I like some of the additions that this Arizona team made. Again, I'm not telling you they're going to compete for the division, but can they compete for 500 and potentially a wild card? I think they're right there when you're talking about it. Second place team, I have the LA Dodgers as a second place team. I'm sorry you can't lose the kind of talent that they did and expect them to have the dominance that they've had, not when you're being chased by the San Diego Padres. I worry about Kershaw's health, although when he's in there, he's going to be great. A guy like Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts, they can carry a lot of games and they're going to win a lot of games, but they did lose a lot. They lost to Justin Turner. Yeah, maybe you won't miss his numbers specifically, but I think you're going to miss the guy that Justin Turner was. I think you're certainly going to miss a Trey Turner massively, numbers-wise and player-wise. I think that you're missing a lot of pieces when you're starting a James Outman in the outfield and hoping for the best. When you're starting a a Vargas, who I think could be very good and hoping for the best. Um, Urias and Kershaw... And that rotation, yes, very solid. I worry about the bullpen. Hudson's banged up. I don't know if I believe in Phillips completely yet. Vezia, hey, he's got a lot of potential. Same with Greaterall, but both of them have had up and down. Vezia actually looked better. Greaterall, not exactly the guy. So don't love the bullpen. I think it's downgraded. I think the lineup is downgraded, which means the team is a little downgraded. And when you're going up against the Padres, who will win this division— and they did everything to improve, I think you're up against it. Juan Soto, I expect to win the MVP. I think he comes back with a vengeance. And I don't even care about Fernando Tatis. I like these other players. I like Kim. I like Cronensworth. I love the addition of Bogarts, who's a professional hitter. You don't have to be superstar guys that put up 40 home runs every year. No, Bogarts is going to hit 300. Cronensworth is going to be that player. Kim's going to be that important player. I like those players, and I really like this this bullpen. Besides just Hayter, the Suarez addition, what he became last year is important. Yes, their starting pitching might not be as good as some other teams, but it's consistent. It's solid. You're going to get innings out of Musgrove. You're going to get innings out of Darvish. I do like that. So I have San Diego winning this division. Overall, look, I don't really believe St. Louis is a real contender. You can't really count out the Dodgers. I don't believe in the Mets because of their injuries. I don't believe in Philadelphia because of what's happened in the offseason for them. So I have Atlanta against San Diego, and I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm taking the San Diego Padres against the New York Yankees in the World Series. Guys, 
I have the New York Yankees winning the World Series and Corbin Burns playing a big role. Yeah, I do believe that the New York Yankees are able to land Corbin Burns. I think he's the difference maker. And when you have a Cole Rodon, Severino, and Nestor Cortez, maybe you don't need him, but if they get him, I think it puts them all over the top. And I really believe that the Yankees do make a huge move. I like the kid movement there. I think the Yankees are your champions. As far as a betting perspective, just uh, understand, this year, I think steals are going to be vastly, vastly underrated. I don't think people are going to realize how giant the jump up in steals is going to be. Uh, does that create more runs? According to minor league numbers, it's about a half a run more a game, not really a huge difference. But against certain pitchers, you're going to watch them run on more against certain catchers. That's your betting strategy for this year. Watch the running from pitchers, uh, from the, the stolen bases, and watch the pitchers and catchers. It'll be an angle to watch this year. So that's going to do it for me, guys. That is our baseball preview. Fast run through it, man. A lot of nuggets of information there. I hope you guys picked up on quite a few little tidbits that you could go out there and make some money. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Your spring is about to get a lot more power with the Home Depot. Get gas-like power from mowing, trimming, and blowing with the Ryobi 18-volt 1 Plus system starting at just $89. Mowing power that can take on a third of an acre with one charge. Trimming power with up to two hours of runtime. And blowing power with 110 miles per hour of clearing force. All of one interchangeable battery. Get cordless gas-like power for the entire lawn with the Ryobi 18-volt 1 Plus system. Only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.